It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Madison Allworth. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Liz Clayman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, January 15th, 2024. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. It is caucus day. The first presidential nominating contest begins in Iowa, where the high temperature is in negative territory, but the candidates are fired up. I think Iowa will surprise, and that's what I would put my $1 bet on. We speak with co-anchor of America's newsroom, Bill Hemmer. Alisa Brady. Tonight's the night in Iowa. Caucuses that mark the first choices in the 2024 presidential race. It matters because you've got people who are used to vetting these candidates, who take it seriously, who will show up. And I'm Brian Kilmeade. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Heading into the Iowa caucuses Monday, the field narrowed, at least in Nikki Haley's mind. The former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the U.N. told Fox's Brian Kilmeade over the weekend that the data was giving her momentum. Well, I think, you know, what you're going to see is this is quickly going to become a two-person race. I think it's going to be me and Donald Trump. Former President Trump at a teletown hall in Iowa said of Haley also over the weekend. Nikki is a person that's getting a lot of her money from globalists, and globalists are not good for our country. They're not good for us. I know Nikki very well. Trump also issued a statement calling Vivek Ramaswamy deceitful and not MAGA just days ago. As for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, his ground game's been praised. He's hustled all over the state. But some data's had Haley pushing past him. We've got an unbelievable organization. We've got uh, large numbers of Iowans that have committed to caucus force that are going to show up. You know, they they just kind of roll their eyes at these polls because the idea that you're going to be able to poll a caucus, much less a caucus in negative 20, uh, good luck doing that. Speaking of negative 20, that's not an exaggeration. The temperature around 7 p.m. tonight at caucus time is forecast to be negative 7 with a real feel of negative 28. I think if you were to look at numbers, there are 750,000 registered Republicans in the state of Iowa. About a third of them maybe typically will caucus. Bill Hemmers, the co-anchor of America's Newsroom on Fox News. The... Turnout can be anywhere from 150,000 to 225,000 for a Republican caucus that is contested. Now, there's a lot of qualifiers there. And the highest number Republicans have ever gotten was 2016 with 187,000. I am predicting anywhere between 165 and 200,000. Really? I, I just don't think You think folks, the energy is there for that? I think the energy is there. It's their time. Um, this isn't going to melt. But you see people move in ice and snow all the time. You can drive. You can drive, you know, four-wheel drive vehicles all over this state. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Iowa will surprise, and that, I, that's what I would put my $1 bet on. <laughs> We've been talking so far about a race for what seems to be second place, right? Um, that that uh, former President Trump is very dominant, and uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis seem to have been duking it out, right? Mm-hmm. And Nikki Haley over the weekend told Brian Kilmeade on Fox News, this is a two-person race. Has she sufficiently shifted that narrative as people go to caucus on Monday? Um, I'm not sure about that. I don't think that's clear. Uh, What I think is the most interesting data point from the entire weekend 
is found in the Des Moines Register poll that came out on Saturday night. Now, this is considered the gold standard. However, four years ago, it was considered the gold standard, and <laughs> the results were never given for the Democratic caucus. Uh, why that was, I don't know. I can't remember uh, in the memory bank there. But what was interesting about the numbers for Haley is that her supporters expressed the least amount of enthusiasm yeah. among Haley and DeSantis and Trump. So that's something to keep in mind. We also had a bit of a, a dust up between if, if you thought Vivek would drop out like Chris Christie has, you might have thought Vivek's supporters would go to former President Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And that might still be the case. But suddenly we have this little bit of drama um, between the two. And I wonder what you what you sort of thought of that as it unfolded, um, because the former president suddenly was calling Vivek deceitful. Yeah. My sense is that Trump never wants to lose anything. And if he can win by one more point, he wants to get that advantage. I think what the Trump team has done is very interesting. And any deep dive you do on the data out here, what they do is they describe a campaign that is organized yeah. very intensely and way more so than for than 2016. I tell you, Jess, one of the things and I like to tell people this because it's one of my little dealios that I do. And I've been coming to the caucus since 2004. I like to go to the headquarters for all the main candidates and primarily around the Des Moines area uh, because it's the bigger offices for everybody. And the offices give you a, a reflection of the candidate through their personality. And in 2016, um, we went to Trump's campaign headquarters here in Des Moines. It was a Saturday afternoon. And first of all, it looked empty, as if it were not open. And there were five or six guys around 24, 25 years old inside. And that was it. Huh. And I was like, wow, it's interesting, because at the time I thought, this is how a businessman runs his <laughs> campaign. Not you know, a politician. It's, it's streamlined and blah, blah, blah. What I have since come to understand is that the lack of organization that he had eight years ago, that's over. Yeah. And I, I am sure, dollars to donuts, yes, that Trump wants to get plus 50. And if Vivek uh. was eating into some, even by two or three points, or even a point and a half, if that cost Trump 50 percentage points in this caucus, he's going to go after it. No Republicans ever reach 50, ever. No Republican has won by... Twelve and a half points before. Well, so so both it, of those would be, be monster records. They would be absolute blowouts based on modern day Republican caucus history. And does the campaign history. take that and say, this is this is not just momentum. This this is almost in the bag. They'll say this is your answer, okay. America. We keep hearing that the, there's this big importance of the ground game, right? In a way that does not exist for a primary. Because when you caucus, you're going to listen to speeches. Yeah. And as you saw at the Fox News town halls, there were plenty of people who had questions for these candidates. And they were like, I'm leaning. I like. They seemed undecided. Yeah. How important is that ground game? We hear that Ron DeSantis has quite a ground game. But like you just noted, former President Trump has like 2,000 precinct captains at, at this point. Yeah. I think the total is 1,800. 1, and I only say that because there are about 1,700 precinct sites. And what they have done caucus sites, what they have done is they've appointed caucus captains. They give them white hats with gold lettering. I think it's very clever branding. And they want to make sure that a captain is at every single site in the state. Now, DeSantis is saying they're doing that, too. Yeah. Not with the white hats and the gold trim, <laughs> but they're going to have a captain there as well. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But with regard to the caucus itself, based on my understanding of history, you're entitled to speak for your candidate, but you don't have to. And you can hold speeches, but you're not bound to it. 
And the vote itself is actually secret. You write the person's name down on a piece of paper. You don't assign your name to it, and you put it in a box or a hat. Then they pull them out and they add them up. Based on my recollection of this, what Democrats do is they do get together in the room, and they go off into different corners because (laughs) this corner represents Joe Biden or that corner represents Elizabeth Warren. And I've been thinking about this, and there, there are differences there. You're there with your neighbors, mm-hmm. right? Maybe some of your the people you work with. And you're actually expressing who you support in that Democratic caucus it's room. very vulnerable. <laughs> I would suggest that it, the secret ballot may be the better way to go. <laughs> it's a good thing to have a secret ballot. I have to ask before we let you go, because yeah. you're, you're the man at the board. And you seem to know the most, and I love this just because I love all the detail, watching you go through the counties mm-hmm. and the minutia, the detail, because it matters. And in this case, we have a state where it seems to be getting redder and redder, right? Iowa is, is trending Republican. And if you look at those totals from 2020 in the Northwest, along the southern edge of Iowa, it's, it's Trump land, it's Trump yeah. country, right? And then there's only really like three sort of technically swing counties, I think, that we could call them swing counties for general election purposes, Mm -hmm. at least if we look at last year. What are you, I guess, paying attention to in terms of where the Iowa voter is most varied? Yeah, most varied. In a Republican caucus? Yeah. Most varied. I will think about that tonight. Um, Like, where are we going to see the the tension between Haley and DeSantis and results? Our, Our best point of comparison is eight years ago. And I think you have to look to where we are and right there in the center of the state, because that's where Marco Rubio did really well. Okay. I finished third, a point behind Trump. Three tickets out of Iowa. Right. But (laughs) that's what they say. And now we're wondering whether there really is three or whether there's just one. Um, But he won Des Moines, Polk County, where we are. And he won Dallas County to the west of here, uh, which is a fast-growing area. Apple's building a production plant there. And he won Story County, which is north of us. Ames, Iowa is there, and so is Iowa State. Uh, so it's like a little little block, little Tetris block right there for Rubio. And then the only other places you find him winning is well east of here, two hours, in Johnson County, which is where the University of Iowa is located. Oh. And then he wins on the Mississippi River where Clinton County is. And that's it. So what, what I would be looking for is, is, is that prime territory for Nikki Haley? Mm-hmm. And if she's going to have a good performance, those are the areas where she has to do well. With regard to Trump, my question would be, does DeSantis eat into any of his rural evangelical leads? Yeah. And so we're going to see that fill out, especially in the Northwest, where a lot of... I, I met a guy today from Dickinson County. I said, how many people are in that county? He said, <laughs> 2,000. I said, all right, well, you guys count. Um, <laughs> So there's a couple of things um, that you can find, you know, the nuance. I'll, I'll give you one more. Uh, there's a county called Howard. It's sparsely populated. It's up on the border with Minnesota. It is the county, no county in America, I think this is the way it reads, no county in America has moved so far in favor of Barack Obama and shifted so far to Donald Trump oh, interesting. within four years than any other county in America. That's the kind of stupid little nuance that I look I for, that. little data stuff. 
They were 21 points in favor of Barack Obama, and they swung to 26 points in favor for Donald Trump so in four years. So they tell they they tell us what they tell us yeah. where we're going. So we're we're looking for those kind of data points across the map. I mean, you as a viewer, if you're watching it, you get you got yeah. It's 99 counties on a grid. How do you tell this from that? And hopefully we can. Okay, one and more. I can you. help. One more. I have to yes. before I let you go, because this is a state that doesn't necessarily pick the president. That's correct. But. It is a good barometer. In a, in a, in a contested caucus. In a contested right. caucus. But it, but it is a good barometer of where certain voters are, specifically, I think, evangelical voters, right? And I wonder how much, because like Rick Santorum did really well, right? And then Ted Cruz did really well. And so, but is, is that all different now? Because, because Trump made a... Re- made a relationship with the evangelical voter oh, yeah. that was so different than we'd previously seen. Well, that poll got him well over 50% for evangelicals. What I'm interested in is what our voter analysis shows about the legal battles that Trump is facing. Does that have any impact on Republicans who caucus? Of that panel of eight people, everybody said it doesn't matter to them. They all thought it was election interference. So they are picking up his mm-hmm. lines, whether they support Trump or not, whether they're going to be for DeSantis or Haley or Ramaswamy. They all believe all eight of them believe that uh, the legal battles he faces is unfair. Bill Hammer, thanks for joining. You bet. Nice to see you, Jess. Nice to see In you. person. In person. <laughs> right on. Stay warm. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I'm Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent and New York Times bestselling author. Join me for my brand new podcast, Searching for Heroes. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. This is Brian Kilmeade with your Fox News commentary coming up. Even for Iowa, it is bitterly cold, perhaps the coldest caucus night on record. But that doesn't seem to be icing enthusiasm. I think no matter what the weather is, people are going to get to the polls. My mother's 92 years old, and she's already told me that if it's snowing or ice, you're going to come pick me up in your four-wheel drive pickup. We will find a way to get there. After all, this only happens once every four years, and the Iowa caucuses are the first decision on the road to the White House, though many Iowa winners don't get all the way there or even end up winning the nomination. Game on. Remember Rick Santorum in 2012? And in 2016, Trump was second in Iowa behind Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Tonight is a victory for courageous conservatives across Iowa and all across this great nation. Democrats have had their share of early momentum from Iowa, too. Because tonight, an improbable hope became an undeniable reality. Though Pete Buttigieg, a former Indiana mayor who narrowly won Iowa in 2020, did end up becoming President Biden's transportation secretary. For tonight's caucuses, the spotlight will be on Republicans and, of course, on Iowa. There is a huge economic impact. There's a huge public relations impact. It gives us uh, in Iowa the chance to show folks on the coast what the heartland is really like. Jeff Stein has been covering Iowa politics for more than 40 years. He's a political analyst and talk show host on Fox Radio affiliate KXEL. And it is something the caucus process itself in its current form has been around a half century. But we have done precinct caucuses to take care of party business for 150 years. 
In fact, there's only one time ever been a presidential primary. That was back in 1916, and it was such a failure that even the proponents of the primary at the time said, get rid of it, just go back to the way we were doing things. And the way this all came about was because in the late 1960s, after the aftermath of the Democratic National Convention in 1968, that party decided they wanted to have more of a grassroots feel to the delegate selection process. So they came up with this idea of having delegates be selected throughout the entire six-month or eight-month period before the National Convention. And it just so happened that where I was primary for other races was they had to back things up in order to get ballots printed and all sorts of materials ready to wear. All of a sudden, here came a January or early February caucus, and it wound up taking off when Jimmy Carter in 1976 scored more votes in the caucus than any other candidate, turned out well for him the following November, and everybody else has jumped on ever since. How do caucuses work, though? You know, who's allowed to caucus? You have to be a registered partisan, so not just a registered voter. You have to be a registered Republican to attend the Republican caucus or Democrat or the Democrat caucus. But you can register to vote that night. You can change your party affiliation that night. People have to be in place by 7 o'clock local time. And there are nearly 1,700 sites for each party across the state, one for each precinct. The real goal of the caucus is to elect delegates to the county convention, the next level up from a precinct. But in a presidential year, individuals, individual citizens, can get up and say a few words about why they support one candidate or another. And after everybody gives their testimony, then in the Republican caucus, people will write the name of a candidate on a slip of paper. And as the rest of the party business is conducted, then these folks will be counting the votes in the front of the room, in front of God and everybody. And then the results will be reported on an app that I am told does work, as opposed to the Democrats' uh, new app four years ago. And we'll see this come through in real time throughout the evening. But essentially, what you're doing, Lisa, is you're sitting in a room with the friends and neighbors, folks from your area of town, and you're talking about issues, you're talking about the party platform, and almost, by the way, indicating presidential preference. And it's fascinating that it happens at hundreds of locations all at once. It's not like people spend all day, you know, going and casting a ballot somewhere. These are, it's more like a town meeting feel. Um, and and because of that, does the weather even matter? I mean, there has been a lot of snow lately, <laughs> but but there are a lot of locations that people can go to. It's not like there's only a handful of places around the state that they're going, Right. You have to go to the one that is in the district where you vote. So, for example, if I live in a certain part of a town, I am designated to go to that caucus site. And so this you can't go out of town or to a different place within the same town. So there's a designated location, no different than a polling place. But to your broad point, it's very different than an election. Because I can take 15 minutes out of my noon hour, stop by City Hall, vote, get back in the car. I can do it on my own schedule. But with a caucus, there's an investment of time. You lose anonymity because you're declaring yourself to be a partisan and sitting across the room from friends and neighbors. But you have to be at a certain place at a certain time. 
And the door is literally locked when the meeting begins. You cannot get there late. And so it does require a great commitment. Now, to your point about the weather, they were thinking it might be record Republican turnout. Weather could play a role. But the last time there was a record, pretty crummy weather then, too, as I recall. Each party, I know, has its own rules for caucusing. Um, There are bigger differences this time, though, after Democrats changed their primary schedule, uh, bumping South Carolina up to the first in the nation vote. What does that mean in Iowa? And is it causing any confusion? It is a real problem for Democrats in Iowa because they had a caucus system and it was more detailed than the Republican method that I just mentioned. But when the Democratic National Committee threw the schedule into the air and came down and said, sorry, Iowa, sorry, New Hampshire, you're no longer first. South Carolina is first with a primary. Obviously, partisans said, well, that's because that's the state where Joe Biden resurrected his campaign four years ago. This is nothing more than returning a political favor, because frankly, Biden has never done well in Iowa. He had to drop out before the 1988 caucuses because of the plagiarism allegation that came out during a speech at the Iowa State Fair. He did not do well in 2020. He did not do well in 2008, dropping out that very night. So from the start, the target was on Iowa. And that goes back before when Tom Perez was head of the Democratic National Committee. He hated caucuses, and there are many who feel that he sabotaged Iowa and Nevada, forcing those parties to use untested apps. And so here's Iowa sitting here. We don't really know, though, Lisa, the impact of losing first in the nation on the Democrat side because people assume that Mr. Biden will be the nominee. And so it's not like it was a wide-open contest And it makes us wonder if maybe things might revert back to the old schedule if this new one doesn't work for Democrats. I know you've covered Iowa politics for decades. Right now, on paper, former President Trump has a commanding lead in Iowa. Does it feel that way on the ground? If you hang around establishment Republicans and some office holders, They are very pro-DeSantis, and they will pick a fight with you if you suggest that these polls showing a big Trump lead are accurate. There is a real disconnect that I feel between, as I say, some of the more establishment Republicans, the ones who are used to being involved with party events, and the rank-and-file voters. Rank-and-file voters are very big on Trump, and that's why the turnout will be important, not because of the weather, but because if Trump can get his people who are very loyal in terms of going to a polling place, can he get them to be that loyal at a caucus? Because the evangelical leadership in the state of Iowa, quote-unquote, is pro-DeSantis. The governor has given her support to DeSantis. And so it depends on which side shows up. I think there's so much at stake, it's going to be both sides are going to show up. But it really feels like Trump has not lost any support in every time There's an indictment or something bad about Trump. His support among people you see at rallies just continues to go up. There's a there's a feel you get at a Trump event, even a small Trump event. And that's what he's been focusing on in the last few weeks. There's a feel you get at a Trump event that is different from other politicians. And it's that sort of loyalty that any politician would want to have. And so when Trump says you got to swamp them, I know our people will crawl on crushed glass to get there. He's not wrong. 
I know he has held, you know, some rallies in Iowa, as you've referenced, but his rivals, especially Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy even, have spent months crisscrossing the state. And they often say Iowans reward candidates who show up. Is that argument shattered if Trump does win the caucuses? I don't think so because of the fact that he is a known quantity and has been a part of the political landscape here for eight years. But the thing that's interesting to me is he's doing a lot of events, and it's not just in the big cities. He was picking towns of five and 10,000 people and even smaller. And for those supporters to see a former and perhaps future president up close and personal, he doesn't have the size and the frequency of the big rallies. But I think it is really going to seal the deal with a lot of these people. Trump is being very targeted about the places that he is going. And so I don't think it's going to be a negative, certainly not as some of the other candidates are hoping. Does one campaign's ground game stand out more than the others at this point? I would say DeSantis has a good ground game because he has tapped into the evangelical base. And those are the people that delivered a win for Mike Huckabee in 2008 that delivered a win for Ted Cruz over Trump in 2016. But again, it's the Trump factor is so unique. They are taking a different strategy this time, and they're working the ground much harder than they did in the past because they don't want uh, an upset. I would still say the infrastructure may favor DeSantis, but again, the force of personality of Trump may permeate that. I just want to zoom out and look at the big picture for a moment with you. What would you say to people in other parts of the country who wonder, you know, why does Iowa matter? Does it matter in the grand scheme of things for the 2024 race? It matters because you've got people who for half a century have taken this as a real solemn obligation and responsibility. And I'm not trying to use hyperbole, but folks here take this really seriously and they've got a pretty good BS detector. And so they're not afraid to challenge someone in a town hall and ask good questions, deep questions that you might not expect and you might not get up and down the line at a news conference, for example. And so it matters because you've got people who are used to vetting these candidates, who take it seriously, who will show up. We don't here think that we're going to name the nominee on January 15th, necessarily, because if that were the case, then why have 49 other contests? We'll just let Iowa decide everything. But it is a really good winnowing point. It's a real good place for candidates to run the gauntlet, if you will. And if you can make it here, if you get the support here, uh, then you've got a chance to move forward to some of the other contests. Jeff Stein, radio talk show host from Fox affiliate KXEL in Iowa, Thank you so much for your time. Lisa, my pleasure. Thank you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday on Martin Luther King Day, Iowans will caucus for the Republican presidential primary, the first test of the general election season. Also Monday, the 75th Emmy Awards will celebrate 75 years of television, including cast reunions and recreations of classic television moments. It airs live at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. 
Tuesday, a New York City courtroom will determine damages after a jury found former President Donald Trump sexually abused columnist E. Jean Carroll in 1996. The jury found there was not sufficient evidence to conclude that he raped her. Thursday is the final day. The government is fully funded. Lawmakers in Congress will need to come to a spending agreement on agriculture, transportation, and housing programs, among others, or a partial government shutdown begins. Saturday, the first two NFL games of the divisional playoffs kick off the weekend, taking us one step closer to determining who will face off in the Super Bowl. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Tom Graham, Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Brian Kilmeade. What's on your mind? It's time to talk Iowa caucus on Iowa caucus day. This is a three-part story, three very different storylines. you got the emergence of Nikki Haley. She was at 3% for the longest time. Suddenly, she became a factor. It's a story of a blue-collar worker named Ron DeSantis. He showed up in every single county more than anybody else. And the story of President Donald J. Trump, the one thing missing from his last two campaigns, organization. That's what he had this time because the subject, the politician, was busy in the courtroom and was not at 77 going to grind it out in the heat and now the freezing cold. What's going to pay off? I think it's going to be the organization. What's at stake for Ron DeSantis? He needs a close second place finish, let alone a victory. If Nikki Haley finds some way to finish ahead... It's hard for me to believe there'll be a tomorrow for Ron DeSantis, who's almost certain to have a rough day in the first primary in New Hampshire, which will only be days away. So much at stake. And believe it or not, one of the deciding factors, who can brave the cold? And I'm talking really cold. Brian Kilmeade for the Fox News Rundown. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. 